Hi, this is Dave Summers, and welcome to AMA Edgewise. Today, Kristen, our engineer, is stepping from behind the mixing board in front of the microphones, and she'll be handling today's program. Kristen, please take it away. Allison Green writes the popular Ask a Manager blog, where she answers readers' questions daily on workplace and management issues, from what to say when you drank too much at a company party to what to do if you're allergic to your boss's perfume. Bravo TV called Allison the Dear Abby of the Work World, and her work has been featured in USA Today, The Wall Street Journal, CBS News, ABC News, Glamour, Time, Inc., Money, and more. She also writes the Ask a Boss column for New York Magazine and is the author of the brand new book, Ask a Manager, How to Navigate Clueless Colleagues, Lunch-Stealing Bosses, and the Rest of Your Life at Work, published by Random House. Allison, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So uh, I am going to ask about your book in a second, but I just have a couple questions about the blog. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the more common questions that you get and also some of the more outrageous questions that you've gotten over the years? Yeah, so I've been writing Ask a Manager for close to 11 years at this point. So I get a lot of the questions that you would expect any workplace advice columnist to get, like how to ask for a raise or how to deal with a micromanaging boss. But it's been really fascinating to see how surprising and and just plain weird some of the questions (laughs) can be. I think there's an endless variety of human weirdness out there. And luckily for me, a lot of it ends up in my inbox. Uh, So to give you some examples, I had one a few years ago from someone whose employee was telling her coworkers that she was casting magical curses on them. And her coworkers were really freaked out by this. Two of them ended up getting pretty sick right after she told them this. So they were taking it seriously, and they were concerned. And the manager wrote into me saying, how on earth do you even start to handle something like this? So I loved that one because on one hand, the issue of a coworker making threats and being intimidating toward coworkers isn't, well, I mean, I might argue it's still actually kind of unusual, but, but it's in the wheelhouse that most managers might feel equipped to deal with. But then you throw in this magical curse element and it becomes very strange. So that was fun. Another one that was pretty crazy more recently was a letter from someone whose coworker stole his lunch out of the office fridge and ate it. I love the story. And, oh, <laughs> I love the story too. So lunch stealing coworkers is the thing that happens, but in this case, it turns out that my letter writer likes his food really, really spicy. And the lunch thief got sick from how spicy the stolen food was. My letter writer got accused of intentionally trying to harm this guy, and HR was being really aggressive with him. Later on, he sent in an update, and it turned out that the HR person was having an affair with the guy who stole the lunch, and it all came out in a big wave of drama, and the spicy food lover was vindicated. (laughs) So this kind of thing keeps writing the column pretty interesting. Yeah, and one of the things that I love about your blog is that, well, first off, you have a very healthy comment section for the internet and just in general, but also that you actively seek out updates. And that can be, you know, just fascinating. Just the comments you can see, like, questions like that, they're not as rare as you might think. Um, Yeah. Or with a curse one, like, you'll maybe get one or two other people going, oh, that happened in our workplace, too. And that's terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. One thing that's been really interesting to me, actually, about the comment section is, Sometimes I run a letter and I think, this is a very unique situation. It's so unique that maybe 10% of my brain wonders, is it even real? And then I run it 
and there's like maybe five or six people in the comment section will say, oh, something really similar happened in my office. So I've learned that whatever whatever level of human weirdness you think is out there, there's probably more of it. Yeah. And then, you know, getting the updates, too, you get to, you know, see how people resolved it or didn't. And that's very cathartic. And it is nice, you know, in that, you know, spicy food one, it was very dramatic and satisfying. But then it's also nice to see the more mundane questions. And just like, yeah, I spoke up and it was resolved. And that's nice to see that actually working, especially when so much advice these days, not just from you, but in general, is uh, get another job. Yeah. And that's that's hard to hear sometimes. Yeah, I love the updates. It's actually one of my favorite things about doing the site because otherwise you're just putting this advice out there into the universe and and hoping that it helps, but you don't really know. So it's great to hear back from people who say, you know, I did it and here's how it worked out. Or even sometimes people write back and say, oh, I decided not to to take your advice. It, It seemed too hard. I decided it would be easier to just get another job. And that's fine too. And I think that kind of thing is useful for me to hear too because it keeps me grounded in sort of the real life ramifications of all of these issues. Yeah. Okay. So I think I know the answer to this one, but I just wanted to ask if everyone in the working world could internalize like one lesson of advice that you feel like you keep giving, like what would cut your email inbox in half? (laughs) Have a direct conversation. Yeah. (laughs) No doubt. I originally did not anticipate how many questions I would get where the answer really would come down to, hey, you just need to talk to this other person and be straightforward. And it applies to so many of the letters I get. I mean, everything from the person who is annoyed that her coworker is playing music too loudly to a manager who's really frustrated by an employee's work habits. And I, you know, I think that at some level, people do know that the answer is going to be, you have to speak up. I think what they're really asking is, how do I have this conversation in a way that does not negatively affect the relationship? What does that look like? What does it sound like? So I think building a comfort level with just having those conversations and not being adversarial or confrontational, just being straightforward would help most people enormously. Yeah. And I think your book is really great for the way it's organized is just certain conversations and issues that come up and what to say. And it gives scripts where people can add in, you know, whatever details are relevant, but it's like, these are phrases that are formulated to not start more drama. Yes. I think so often when people imagine having a conversation about something that's bothering them, in their head, they assume it's going to be confrontational and it's going to cause tension and it'll take months for the relationship to recover. And what I've seen at my website is that if I'm able to give them language to use, they're able to envision it going a completely different way. And they realize, oh, this doesn't have to be this big conversation. It can be pretty matter of fact. And that makes it so much easier to do. Yeah, some people just seem to need to be told, you know, that is a completely normal, regular thing for you to ask for. Like, hey, can you turn your music down? And if someone reacts badly to that, then they're the weird one, not you. Yes, exactly. And I mean, it's certainly understandable. I think if if you work with someone who is really confrontational and makes every interaction difficult, it's certainly understandable in that case to decide, you know what, I'm just going to deal with the loud music. But most people are pretty reasonable. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, one thing, though, that we've seen in questions is that people say, oh, I brought this up, but then you push back a little, and it turns out they've been a little elliptical, and they're hinting, and I think it is easy to forget that we're not all mind readers, and we're less clear than we think. Some people aren't picking up signals as much as we think they should be, 
So do you have any tips for people to be mindful of this just on their own side when you're making a request to be explicit and to not belabor a point, but really make your request for action really obvious? Yeah, I think sometimes people think it's more polite to hint or to kind of sugarcoat. But if you take that too far, you end up hiding the message. And it's actually not more polite to hide the message from someone because then you end up still frustrated and they end up doing something that maybe they wouldn't be doing that's aggravating you if they fully understood. You really see this with managers when it comes to giving feedback to employees. I can't tell you how many managers I talk to where an employee is having performance issues, the manager is frustrated. And then when I ask, well, how direct have you been about it? The answer turns out to be not very direct at all. Like sometimes they haven't even brought it up and other times they've just sort of come at it from the edges and hinted. So I think, especially for managers, really for everyone, but especially for managers, you want to get really clear in your head about the fact that it's really not fair to people to hide the message. You know, I think often when managers soften language when they're giving serious feedback, they do it because it feels unkind to be very direct and concrete. But, you know, if the result is that the person doesn't fully understand how serious the issue is, then you're denying them full information about their own work life and about possible consequences. And it's so much more likely that they won't make the changes they need to make. And so I think if you really internalize that and believe this is good for the person I'm managing, it makes it a lot easier. That's a really great way to put it is that you're actually doing them a favor. I like that. Well, also on the subject of giving feedback and especially correcting feedback, can you talk a little bit more about getting the whole story and checking assumptions if someone is underperforming or if someone is in a bad mood and ways to step back and not react emotionally to that? Yeah, I think it can be really easy to fall into that trap as a manager. I mean, we all tell ourselves stories to make sense of the world, and it can be easy to assume that you know what's going on. But in a lot of cases, you might not. One thing I talk about in the book is how useful it is to just ask very open-ended questions. So, like, if you're concerned that someone has been missing deadlines, you don't want to just sit down and start in with a lecture about how this can't keep happening. It can't keep happening, but you don't want to go there immediately. You want to share what you've noticed and ask what's going on. Like, literally say something like, you've missed a lot of deadlines lately, what's going on? And that gives the person the chance to tell you information that might actually change your perspective. Like maybe the holdup is someone else in the process who isn't giving them work until the last minute. Or maybe they have something tough going on in their personal life and it's impacting their work, which doesn't mean that you're going to tell them, oh, it's fine to miss deadlines, but it might change the tone of the conversation that you're having about it. So basically, just start by asking for their perspective before you get too far in. You know, ask what happened or what's going on. You put a lot of emphasis on speaking up and being clear about expectations and issues, but what if something came up a month ago and you didn't react in the moment and now you feel like it's too late, you can't drag them into your office because the moment has passed? How do you deal with something like that? We all do this. I mean, I've definitely been guilty of this myself. It's just a thing that happens because we're human. The important thing is that once you realize that you've let this issue fester, resolve to say something about it now. And if you feel weird about the fact that you did wait, just say that. You know, you can say something like, I should have brought this up earlier, and I apologize that I didn't. One way that I see this come up all the time is in formal performance evaluations, because managers always get told that nothing in a performance evaluation should be a surprise. And it's certainly true that you want that to be your goal, 
But sometimes when you sit down to do evaluations and you really spend time reflecting on someone's work, you realize that there's like a pattern or a theme that you haven't brought up before, but that you want to give feedback on. And then people start thinking like, well, can I even do it in this evaluation? It seems unfair if I haven't raised it earlier. But it is okay to raise it. You just want to be transparent that you know that ideally you would have done it earlier. So you could say something like, I realize that I haven't brought this up previously. When I stepped back to reflect on your work in the process of writing this evaluation, this occurred to me as something important that we should talk about. So just kind of own it. I think where employees get really frustrated is where managers don't acknowledge that it should have come up earlier, and that's when it feels unfair. Are there ever times when it's best not to speak up? Yes, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) One is just when the timing is bad. Like you want to be emotionally intelligent about it. So if the person who you want to talk to is dealing with a personal crisis or just in an especially stressful period with work, it's probably not the right time to raise something sensitive if it can wait otherwise. And another one too is just about prioritizing. You know, like you want to pick your battles. If you are asking for a raise or for more headcount on your staff, this probably is not the time to also go to battle for better soap in the (laughs) office bathrooms. You know, focus on what's the most important. And I think the other one, and this is one that people really struggle with, is when you just don't have a lot of standing on the issue or a lot of capital saved up. Like if you're brand new or you're very junior or if you haven't been performing very well lately, you might not be well positioned to speak up. I mean, it depends on the issue. If it's, if it's about something like safety or harassment or discrimination, you should always speak up regardless. But when it's more optional, it helps to factor in how much capital you have to spend. You know, I've seen in your advice, sometimes, you know, there are things like discrimination that come up and there are ways that you can get what you want without going straight to the EEOC, straight to saying, I could sue you for this. And that there are ways to be a little more political about asking for what you want and that you stress that you should frame conversations in ways that get you the end result and aren't necessarily going to be a big rousing speech that is a nice cinematic moment. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, we all like to think about the cinematic moments. I certainly do. But yeah, when it comes to getting what you want, you want to be smart about thinking, like, what is the behavior here that's likely to produce the outcome that I want? Sometimes it can feel really good to rush in and say something just on principle and be angry about it. And sometimes that goes okay, but usually when things are sensitive or sticky or there are a lot of competing interests in play, it'll usually go better if you're thoughtful about who you approach and when and how you do it. And I mean, with something like, like you mentioned discrimination in a case like that, you might be rightfully really angry about what you're seeing if you're seeing discrimination in your organization. And I think there's a lot of motivation in that case. There's a lot of incentive to just rush in and and be angry. It's Mm -hmm. very understandable to feel that way. But you might get better results, which ultimately are what matter, if you approach it more collaboratively. If you say, you know, I'm really concerned that we could get in trouble for this kind of practice, as opposed to you're breaking the law and I'm going to report you. Now, it's very much your prerogative to go with the latter approach. And certainly if the first one doesn't get you results, you might end up having to go with that second approach. But a lot of times you can get better results by coming at it from a more collaborative angle. Just that we language alone is going to get you a lot of results more than just being more combative about it. Just saying we as a company could alert people that, you know, there's an issue here that they need to be aware of. 
Yeah, that's exactly right, because you're positioning yourself as we're all on the same side here. If you do it differently, it can come across very adversarially. And I mean, again, I want to stress that's not necessarily inappropriate. It might be a situation where being adversarial is warranted, but you don't necessarily need to start there. Exactly. Start in a more collaborative place and see if you need to escalate. Yes. The majority of our listeners to Edgewise are new managers and middle managers. And can you tell me a little bit about what's in the book that is especially good for the people who are new to management? Yeah, so there's a whole section, about one quarter of the book is addressing managers specifically. It goes through 50 conversations that you might need to have in your career as a manager. So everything from telling an employee that they're not working at a high enough pace to setting boundaries with an employee who's treating you like their best friend to you know talking to an employee who's afraid to take on new things and needs to show more initiative just tons of of situations that you might run into. And it talks through how to approach them. And here's the language to use. Because that's the piece where I think people really struggle. Like they know what the basic message is that they want to convey. But when it comes to like, what does this actually sound like? That's where people start getting hesitant. So my hope is that by including that section in the book, newer managers or, or, you know, more experienced managers too can use it as a real resource. Now, are you worried that people are going to read the book and then suddenly you're not going to get any more emails for your website? (laughs) I get too much email as it is. So if it takes it down a little bit, that would be great. (laughs) Okay, good. We have been speaking to Allison Green. She writes for the popular Ask a Manager blog, and she is the author of the brand new book, Ask a Manager. Allison, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. AMA webinars give you 90 minutes of focused how-to instruction and specific solutions to help you solve your most pressing work issues. Find tactical, practical courses on building work relationships, polishing your spreadsheet skills, managing your team to meet company goals, and more on our events calendar at amanet.org forward slash events. feedback very seriously here at the AMA. If you get a minute, you have some thoughts about this program or additional questions, just send an email to us at podcasts at amanet.org. 